You are listening to Secret Handshake, the podcast covering the movies that help you identify your friends and maybe make a few more along the way. Coming up, spine number 51, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead series, featuring cabins, chainsaws, chins, shotguns, blood, vomit, pus, slime, deadites, books of the dead, evil twins, skeleton legions, and an Oldsmobile Delta 88. Martin. Yes. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. You see this? This is my boomstick. The 12-gauge double-barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right. This sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop smart. Shop S smart. You got that? Something's out there. Something that forced its way into our world. Listen up. Come get some. All right. Come get some. Come get some. Shout out to Sam Raimi. Come get some. Come get some. Dead by dawn, swallow your soul. Similar to if I kick in your teeth, swallow a soul. You a dub, W clan, y'all can swallow a soul. Or get slugged with these two cans if you follow my nose. I'm gold. Take a shot from the grassy knoll. I can school you with the Draco. This ain't the grassy knoll. Under siege, feel like Waco. Y'all should already know. Got this red dot mark on you, marks like ready go. You boss around, get around like a merry go. Catch a big fish, I'm not Moby Dick, but there she goes. See that boom stick? Get your boom boom. Click my flow, make the room sick, then put the 666 below. Y'all like who this? Masking a MF for like Loomis. I do this so deadly with mics like Dr. Loomis. Uh, this is Necronomicon music. What else would you expect from the Necronomicon, stupid? Welcome back to another edition of Secret Handshake. I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and joining me as always is Martin Carlson. Martin, who loves you, baby? <laughs> you do. <laughs> Hail to the king. <laughs> So there's a new Evil Dead movie in theaters. The first one in a decade, I want to say, after Fide Alvarez's uh, remake. So we decided that we're going to do an entire episode dedicated to the Evil Dead series, Um, which is fitting because I went back and I didn't realize now that I think we have an episode for basically every major horror franchise. Except Nightmare. Except for Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Yeah, because we've done... Texas Chainsaw, we've done Scream, we've done Friday the 13th, we've done Hellraiser. Then Halloween. We've done Halloween. Now, we're doing Evil Dead. And here's where I want to start. Is this the most consistent horror franchise of all time? Yes. Like, there are no bad Evil Dead movies. Hands down. Um, And I think a big part of that is that you have three made by the same filmmaker. I mean, can you imagine if the first three nightmares were all made by by Craven in his prime? You know, or if Carpenter had stayed to do one, two, and three of Halloween. Like, I think having one voice and such a specific voice, too, like Raimi. uh, Well, and the the developing voice, too. Yeah. You know, that's one of the best things about watching these movies. 
uh, because from 1981 up until 1992, starting with Evil Dead and ending with Army of Darkness, his trilogy, like he develops as a filmmaker, both in terms of like technical skill, but then also just in terms of sheer budget and what he's allowed to do to where like Evil Dead is a movie that's literally powered by sheer creative yeah. like gusto it's will it's pure will. Yeah, exactly yeah. guys going out into the woods with no money who want to make a movie out of like detroit michigan basically and then you get to army of darkness and that's a movie that shouldn't exist like you watch it now and you're like you know 30 years later going why did Universal green like this? Like, why did they think this was a good idea? And then in between, you have Evil Dead 2, which is essentially Raimi remaking the first movie just with more money, thanks to Dino De Laurentiis. And, like, his skills are so, like, already well-developed that that movie becomes an instant cult classic. Yeah, you also see him kind of find his tone like through the three films. I mean, by because evil dead I, rewatching that again. And I really like the first one a lot. I think it's, it's so good. I think it's genuinely scary. I think there are parts that are, even with it's cheap, are generally creepy. The deadite stuff of like them, like, you know, um, down in the basement, like banging and trying to get out. Um, everything with Ash's sister, I think the, the tree rape is terrifying. Like it all is genuinely kind of unsettling. And then two, like, but there's also like, this weird aw shucks kind of sentimentality that that runs throughout, especially with Ash and his girlfriend. And you could see there's that moment where Ash, um, he does this like, you want to like hang out a little bit? Like, la, la, la. like he kind of like does the eyebrow thing and you see Bruce like kind of peeking through. Cause for most of that film, it's like he's playing a different person than the Bruce we know and love. And by the end of two, by the end of two, he is now the Ash that we quote. And by army of darkness, it's the full He's a cartoon it's character. A cartoon character. He's a straight up like almost superhero when you get to Army of Darkness. And a cartoon movie. I mean, like the so much of, of part two, especially as the Looney Tunes, the whole thing of him with all the parts of the room, like the lamps when he does that dance, is just pure Looney Tunes. So yeah. Looney Tunes meets um like uh the, the Three Stooges so much. Just so much of that just like adolescent and not even gross humor. The, the, the grossness is like... It's juvenile. It's the juvenile. It is the gore, but it's not like sexually like Seth Rogen gross. Do you know what I mean? No, it's like, slapstick. Yeah, exactly. Like all of the gore is basically implemented in a very slapstick way from Evil Dead 2 on. But even then, Evil Dead 2 is fucking gnarly. Like oh, when you dude. watch it, you're like, oh my God. Like the, the actual humor, once you catch yourself laughing at these movies, you realize what you're laughing at, like a guy cutting off his own hand and later replacing it with a chainsaw, you know, the full body dismemberment, like splatter cutting off the head of that giant, like snake beast at the end Fuck of evil yeah. dead Two, And how it just sprays the room with like this mixture of like blood and pus and bile. And it's, it, it, it's implemented like he takes it to the most ridiculous extreme in a movie that I consider the best Evil Dead sequel that doesn't have Evil Dead in the title, and that's Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell, I rewatched too, and I, I love too, yeah. that fucking movie so much. But that takes the scatological like humor and like just the spraying of bodily fluids at people dude that moment when her nose starts to bleed in in the bank and sprays all over her boss david pamer i 
forgot how fucking funny that is. And also David Pamer's delivery of, did I get any in my mouth? Is like amazing. And then also like the, the old gypsy woman like flying oh. through a windshield Vomp like when she goes. She to pukes her funeral, the bugs on yeah, her. Pukes the bugs on her at the funeral. Pukes up the embalming fluid all over Christine. Like she's, oh my she's God. like sucking her chin again. Oh, it's so disgusting. And Allison Loman, man, God bless her because she was game for all of it. She allowed herself to just get fucking abused in that movie. Well, she's I mean she's the new you know she's just being Bruce again. It's having your lead that Sam just kicks the shit out of. You know, and not 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 character wise, but that same like you need a person the like physical said, humor who's down. Well, I mean, I watch, you know, Sam makes these relationships with his stars because like he and Tobey Maguire became really close on Spider-Man. This is great behind the scenes stuff, I think, from Spider-Man 2, where um, Toby like is the scene where he like uh, bends over to like tie his shoes or something. And he gets hit in the face with a uh, a book bag as someone walks by, and that's Sam Raimi. And they did like twenty takes of it because Raimi just lo- and all the, like behind the scenes stuff is him pretending to be angry at like Toby's like, and you you mess up again, you're fired, you're done in this town. You hear me? Like he's even on on set, he's so aw shucks. And he just has that kind of energy to him. By all accounts, like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life, which makes his like psychotic sense of humor that much more affecting because you know, it comes from like a genuine place of like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to make you laugh at like the grossest things I can come up with. It really is sort of like his, his version of like an artistic staring contest would that you would have with like your little brother or whatever, where he's like, now I'm going to pick my nose, but we're not going to break eye contact. Are we? And now I'm going to pull actual blood out of my nose. Are you going to blink? I'm not like he's his movies are amazing. And it's, it's hard for me to stress enough, like what a hero he was to me growing up because while rewatching evil dead two last night, I had the thought that it definitely ranks in the top five movies that I think I've seen the most. Like I watched evil dead two on VHS so many fucking times. Like I wore that tape out this. I mean, Evil Dead 2 is so important. I came to it. I think, I mean, I saw it in high school. I was late to it. Um, I actually saw Army of Darkness first because my brother's like, oh, there's this movie you would like. I had never even heard of Evil Dead before. I saw Army of Darkness when I was in fifth grade. And I I had that on VHS. I watched it over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is, oh, those Evil Dead movies are actually leading up to this. And, but I was thinking about how, like, it's got to be the most important for our entire generation of horror fans. I mean, I can't think of another film of our specific age that is so like caught the tone of like horror lovers. Like Raimi created that such a specific horror comedy world that no one else had done before. That was like fun, badass at the same time, goofy, really gory, but not like, if your parents watch it, it's like not mean spirited. You know, I, wa- I showed Army Darkness to my dad and he loved it. You know, it's like it's funny and weird. And I think Raimi also is just, he is, without him, we would not have like the Cabin in the Woods like subgenre that has, you know, become so popular. And also, we wouldn't have people like Peter Jackson. We would, like, he would not exist. Like, Peter Jackson, I mean, you know, all of the splatterpunk kids who came after. Yeah. I mean, he, that comes from Raimi. A hundred percent like that kind of film, you know, I think even someone like Eli Roth is obviously, I mean, like cabin fever is full on 
an yeah. Evil Dead movie. Right down you to know? the design of the cabinet. Totally, itself. yeah. And that goofy tone in Cabin Fever. I love that movie. I that do was, like that one. I think I've said this on the, the podcast as well, is that um, that movie, we weirdly watched a shitload in college because it played at the little like nine-screen theater that was right by our college in North Carolina. Like me and a couple of my fraternity brothers who would just go watch movies with me all the time. We all went and saw cabin fever on like the day it came out and like loved, got stoned as fuck and loved Hell it. Yeah. But then when it came out on DVD, we would literally watch it on loop at like pregame parties. And when we're playing like beer pong and beer die, because like the, it like a lot of Eli Roth's movies, it's almost bifurcated in a weird way. Is yeah. like the first half is just a straight up comedy, and then the second half is when like all of the gore and horror and everything kicks in. But that first half, I think, is the funniest shit that Eli Roth has ever done to this day. But you're right, something like that would not be able to exist really without Evil Dead 2 because Evil Dead 2 laid the groundwork for for us to find horror funny and specifically zany more than anything. Yeah. Zany and, and, you know, and cool. And obviously we can't forget, you know, we were texting with this yesterday and how obviously Bruce and they're this perfect duo, Bruce and Sam, um, that Bruce is this like really handsome guy with an amazing, you know, comedic timing, a great actor, also as a person, as a, as a, as a star is very entertaining and, and charismatic. I, I got to see him kick that guy out of the screening at evil dead rises at South by, you know, he's a, he's a treasure, but I remember, you know, watching him interviewed at, um, it was Leonard Malton that year at uh, fantastic fest. Um, and they were talking to Bruce Campbell and Bruce Campbell's like, yeah, I mean, it was early on, like pre-internet, like horror cons, like no one went to them. Like the stars did. They were go. ghost towns. They were ghost towns. He goes, so I realized, he goes, I'm not working on anything. I can go. And he goes, and he goes, and you motherfuckers in the audience, you put my daughter through college. You know, it's like he did. He was one of the first people to realize. And I think through that, that's also that evil dead kind of that con that, you know, that convention kind of crowd. It's evil that is made for those people, which is I'm one of the black you know? sweatshirt basement dwellers. Seriously. Yeah. You know, and I and I love going to that shit. Well, and that was one of the things I wanted to bring up when you were talking about like the good natured tone and how people kind of gravitated towards it with the all shucks cadence that it comes off with, even with some of the grosser humor at times, is that there's definitely a one of us element yes. that people connect to with the especially the first two Evil Dead movies. Because, you know, Sam Raimi was, what, 20 when he went out? He was, like, 21, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he went out into the woods and made a movie with his best friends. Like, you know, we talked a lot about on the Kevin Smith episode how that was a thing that a lot of people kind of attached themselves to is the fact that, hey, now anybody could pick up a camera and just make a movie about their lives. They can make a movie about being clerks at a convenience store. Sam Raimi was like the ultimate dream and also why he was one of my greatest heroes like growing up is because he was a guy who was like, I have no money, but I do have a bunch of friends and a camera and a location in the woods and we're just going to go out. We're going to make our horror movie come hell or high water, you know? And the thing that separates... Raimi and why you've had a million imitators in the wake of Evil Dead, but nobody has quite nailed it the way that he did is because not everybody has a matinee idol as their best friend. Like he looked at Bruce Campbell and was like, fuck, 
you kind of look like if Rock Hudson was your next door neighbor and you have the comedic timing of like Buster Keaton. What a fucking package in a leading man. So he took him and they went out and they made, well, they made within the woods at first. Yep. And then they make, cause that's essentially their proof of concept. And then they make evil dead, which in a weird way, one of the other thoughts that I had while watching these in such close succession is that, Evil Dead is sort of a proof of concept movie in its own way because it gets remade by Dino De Laurentiis and the DEG Entertainment Group as Evil Dead 2. Like, Evil Dead 2, like, the first five minutes essentially are just all of the buildup of Evil Dead condensed to Ash and his girlfriend. And then it's a one-man show for the most part until the other, like, researchers and everything come to the cabin to to... Uh, investigate the book of the dead and then it becomes an ensemble piece again that's where like it, it is, and it's a remake again it just tells the same story with exactly. new people well rewatching army of darkness too it gives the whole intro again with bridget fonda right and it's like the, what i like about the series too is they're assuming that no one has seen the other films there's this kind of this sense of like there's no wink wink to fans of the series it's like no i'm pretty sure no one saw the other ones they're in the theater here to see Army of Darkness. It looks kind of cool. It has a kind of Drew Struzan-looking poster. Let's see what happens, yeah. you know? And he got to make his Ray Harryhausen movie. But yeah, he yeah. did recognize the fact that, like, these are the, like, very definition of cult yeah, movies. Yeah, 100%. Like, even yeah. during their first runs, like... Because the big thing about, like, Evil Dead was that it wasn't a big hit in America at all. It was actually mm. super popular in the UK because when it came out over there, it like got butchered by the censors and put out into, you know, theaters and basically like a, a truncated neutered form. Okay. Yeah. And then VHS hits and like the VHS for evil dead comes out like a month after it runs theatrically in the UK but the thing about VHS in the UK when it was first invented, it didn't have to be submitted to the censors. Like, so there were just tapes circulating of the movie completely uncut. And that's how it got this huge following in the UK. And then it became Mary Whitehouse in her video nasty campaign to basically ban these types of movies, movies like evil dead last house on the left. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust, you know, she like evil dead was her number one target. It was public enemy. Number one for Mary Whitehouse, where to where like they even played segments of it in the house of commons when they were having the video nasty, like hearings and everything about it. And it took years. I don't think until like the two thousands or something until it finally got certified as like 18 plus and allowed to play in its full uncut form in theaters in the UK, but it built up such a cult following that that's what allowed it to be made by Dino De Laurentiis and give like Sam Raimi some crazy amount of money. Well, crazy by yeah, 3.6 million. Yeah. By the standards of, you know, what 1986 when he makes it. Um, but I mean, for a kid like Sam Raimi who, you know, made, Evil Dead for chump change, getting 3.6 million is like just all of a sudden the whole candy store is open and you can eat whatever you want. And he again brings his best friend along and then makes it a one man show for Bruce Campbell. And as much as Raimi grows as a stylist, because the you can watch the original Evil Dead 
And what's cool about it is you can actually watch him mature within that film itself to where by the end, he's more or less like a stone's throw away from making Evil Dead 2. Like that kind of zany, insane comedy. And that moment where he goes... Where Bruce Campbell goes, shut up, Linda, when she's like freaking out and like possessed by the deadites. Like that's when Bruce Campbell is completely born. Yeah. And that's the Ash who carries us through Evil Dead 2. This kind of manic, super good looking, charming, almost cartoon character of a human being who then gets to like have some of the most ridiculous physical comedy ever committed to the screen. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he, yeah, you see, he's so kind of understands. Goes, oh, this is who I can be, because you could see in another reality that he went like the the straight route. You know what I mean? That if he had been found by the right person and been born in California and his parents were involved in Hollywood, Bruce would have been like a movie star. Like he had the talent to be. Not that he's not, but not in the way that you know a, a Rock Hudson is. You know, as you mentioned earlier, or like even like a, a Tom Cruise or like a George Clooney, because he's as handsome as George Clooney, if not more. But he is cut more from the mold of, like, a matinee idol. Like, he's not quite a movie star. He has that big lug. That lantern sort jaw. Of, that yeah. lantern jaw. Like, you could have seen him any, you know, he does show up and stuff with, like, the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and everything. Like, he would have been, like, a Western or an action guy or whatever. But instead, he's not from Hollywood He's from fucking Michigan. Like, he, you're, you're right. He could have been a working actor, but he probably would have ended up a plumber if it weren't for Sam Raimi. Well, it's funny you say that because, like, he has a weirdly similar energy to, like, Harrison Ford. Like, they have, especially... A real gravitas. Yeah, gravitas, but also that working man kind of thing. Because, yeah. you know, obviously, the, your plumber thing made me think of Ford and his whole history as, a you know, a carpenter. But I was thinking of, like, his whole costume design in, in Evil Dead 2... And in um, in Army of Darkness is full on um, Temple of Doom. It's like the, right. the way it's cut to show like his like ripped body, the whole thing where it's like it's it's like oh man, he's been through some shit, but he still looks like a matinee idol, you know. And it looks very Indiana Jones. And Army of Darkness is real fucking Indiana Jonesy, dude. You know? Army of Darkness is fucking like he's so good looking in that movie. Like he's completely shredded tan doesn't have sleeves on and has these cut fucking arms but his also like his chin and cheekbones are completely like perfectly yeah. like yeah. he slimmed down a little like bit he slimmed yeah. to the point to where like he looks like a, a straight up like movie star at that point and then even his hair like when it's slicked with sweat or whatever is still like perfectly slicked like nobody could have looked as good as Ash as Bruce Campbell does. Like he just owns that character in a way. And like, he totally got the wavelength that his best friend was operating on for that very reason. Cause it was his best friend. Well, and you know, we're on this podcast secret handshake, and this is definitely a movie that you share with friends, right? If they'd never seen it, even if they're not horror people, this one, I think evil dead two crosses the, the gap. You know, I have some friends from work who are not big horror people. And I said, I want to have you guys over. I'm going to show you Fright Night, and I'm going to show you Evil Dead 2, which I thought were two good choices for, like, sure. both fun. And they liked Fright Night. They loved Evil Dead 2, and both of them like men, and they were like, who the fuck is that? Like, they were genuinely, like, swooning. And for me, it's like, I have seen these movies so many times. I know he's handsome, but I don't think, I don't dwell on it. And the people who had not seen it before, like, that's a really attractive guy. <laughs> just like, you, we forget that. It's, oh, it's just Bruce. 
You know, we, we just, that's just Bruce. I remember when I bought these movies for the first time at Suncoast Video on VHS. Oh, there you go. And I brought them up to the counter, and there were two, like, straight up, like, Kevin Smith style, like, character clerks working there. And the one guy starts asking me about, like, what type of movies I love or whatever. And the other guy stops him and goes, This can wait for later. This man is checking out with Bruce Campbell movies. Right now. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> But to your point, it was like he was to nerds, to people who love this type of movie. Like, he's a god. Yeah, he still is. You know, and and I've been lucky enough to see him in person twice now. And, like, he's as cool in person as, you know, as he is on screen. Like, he just, he totally plays into the the whole, he loves it. Like, he he totally eats it up. But, yeah, he's. When he appreciates his fans, too. He generally does. To your point, when you talked about the con circuit that he used to work super hard, is that, like, he realized, he was like, oh, I'm nobody without you guys. And you're the ones who I'm going to come play to and, like, become friends with. And what's cool about Bruce Campbell, too, is that he parlayed that into essentially an entire B-movie star career. And even named his autobiography "If Chins Could Kill." It's a great book. Yeah, it's no, a it's great fucking book. awesome. He he had ones like, but it's funny though. Without Sam and some of his like, you know, DTV stuff like Moontrap with um, what's his name, Chekhov from the original Star, uh, Star Trek, Walter Koenig. Did you ever see Moontrap? Yes. I think, yeah, not a good movie. No. And, and when when Bruce tries to play it straight, it doesn't fly. It, you know, well, he's it, a sci-fi actor. Yeah, exactly. He's in a ton of those types of movies. Yeah, that level of movie. But for him, it was a job. Like to yeah. to take it back to your idea of him being a working stiff. Like that's what he was. Like he went out and he became a guy who just churned out B movies after the Evil Dead stuff because they could say, you know, in the synopsis on the back of the VHS box, starring Bruce Campbell, parenthetical from the Evil Dead series. You know, like that's what he sold on completely. Which one of the first three is your favorite? Fuck, dude, it's really hard. You know, I was going to say Army of Darkness because I've watched it the most. Like for me, that's what I got me into the series. Um, I generally, obviously, I love them all. Like, and I would say it's probably Army of Darkness with a very close second of part two. But I still love part one. You know, it's just in terms of what I want to watch. Like part one is not the the most fun watch of the three, but army of darkness is just like action. It's an hour and 25 fucking minutes long. Um, it's, it's super funny. Like it has more dialogue comedy because a lot of the humor and we talk about with part two is physical, right? It's a lot of stuff at the beginning when he's alone and it's that Looney tunes, like insanity. This is him's like, you're in charge of Jack and shit. And Jack left town. I mean, all his one liners and army of darkness are unimpeachable. Absolutely fantastic. Give me some sugar, baby. Yeah, he. I was literally, I was, I think my neighbors heard me. I was laughing so fucking loud. I probably hadn't watched this in five years. And I had, I got the 4K, uh, like just the streaming one. And I had it, my surround sound cranked that shit up. And I was like laughing so fucking hard at Army of Darkness. And it's just cool too. The whole thing is like, when Raimi goes into his like quick cut, like montages where it's just like, like when he builds his hand, like his robot hand and ends with groovy. Like I want to stand up and fucking cheer. Like Raimi's firing on all cylinders in this movie. I've now earned a greater appreciation, particularly for one and two. Um, after years of watching shitty 
like low budget genre stuff that's been released by like all these boutique Blu-ray labels, like particularly Vinegar Syndrome, yeah. Synapse, although Synapse is a, a little better, but Severin, all this stuff to where like you, when you sit through all of these low-fi and, and Vinegar Syndrome is probably the best example to where like they put out a bunch of the imitators, especially in their like homemade horror yep. uh, boxes that they put out. Like those are Cabin in the Woods movies with like the same kind of stop motion animation that was utilized in Evil Dead. There's one that they released called Winter Beast. I was going to say, no, yeah. it makes me think of our, our regional ep- our regional episode. Exactly. Like yeah. Evil Dead's a regional episode, like regional movie. Yeah. You know, we don't think of it that way now, but it totally was. Exactly. You know? And so you had a bunch of regional imitators who made these types of movies. But after you've sat through those for years and like, let's say a gap in time between like repeat viewings with the evil dead films. When I went back to evil, particularly evil dead one. Yeah. Like it just gave me such a greater appreciation for the fact that nobody else is Sam Raimi. Like even in his most nascent stages as a filmmaker, like there's so much innovation on screen from like those POV shots of the, the, the deadite spirits, like moving through the woods and like literally knocking trees down. Like when you start thinking about the logistics of doing that for as little money as they had and building like essentially their own made, like handmade, like camera rigs out of like planks of wood and shit. So they could get, actually get a steady cam shot. But like, how did they knock those trees over? How did they do that? Like you, you, you think about how fucking hard it probably was to pull all that shit off. And then when you add in all of those, like, crazy homemade gore effects, the actual design of the, the book of the dead, the way the movie moves and is edited. I mean, the other thing we should also point out is that one of the assistant editors on the original Evil Dead is fucking Joel Cohen. Yep. From the- <laughs> and they, and they did they wrote Crime Wave, which he directed exactly. right after Evil Dead. So yeah. they're they, and they're still friends, I believe. Yeah. Like they're so close because they all come from that northeastern yeah. like Michigan mafia that they used to call them of like these weirdo creatives who are just kind of on the outside. It re- reminds me a lot of the the Pittsburgh collection that like Romero had with like him and Savini and mm-hmm. all those guys, John Harrison who like worked on tales from the dark side, like all these guys who just were part of this little Pittsburgh creative horror mafia too. Again, they were regional filmmakers who just happened to churn out like the best movies of all time in terms of the horror genre. When are we doing a Dawn of the Dead episode? That's oh. the other thing is that we need to do Romero. We'll just do that next. Fuck it. Oh, I don't know about next, but like we, we got to do it soon. Because... We had two sport ones and now, okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. Um, a lot of our friendship has been spent. I come over and you say, I got this Blu-ray in a sale. And you're like, it's a slasher. And I'm like, I've never heard of it. I don't know what this is. And and I'm like, but I'm always like fucking down. It's like, oh, it's a slasher I haven't seen. Or it's an 80s horror film of any kind. Maybe there's a gem in there. And nine times, 9.9 times out of 10, it's a piece of shit. And there's a reason. Or it's two and a half stars. We, We watched that movie Curfew. Yeah, when which had some cool stuff week. going on. Yeah, But that's a great comparison point to where like to something like Evil Dead and it makes you realize just how Sam Raimi was kind of operating on diff- a different level from the guys who came after him. Curfew, perfectly passable home invasion thriller 
that has some interesting acting, was balling on a budget, and brings the, the violence and the body count when it really needs to. Two and a half stars. Still not like up to the same level as like Sam Raimi. Yeah. Well, and you know, I kept thinking too with Raimi, you were talking about how he just kind of had this like preternatural skill, right? He's a and prodigy. He, he reminds me of Spielberg in that way. I mean, they're very different filmmakers, but the way you watch Fablemans, a lot of what they talk about is like, he just had this eye. It wasn't about going to school and learning it. It was like knowing where to put the camera, you know, knowing where the story was. Kind of like Paul Thomas Anderson, any of these guys, they're just born directors. Yeah, they're born. They just have the eye for it. And and Raimi had this like, he definitely is the kind of filmmaker like Spielberg where it's like, I want to make something I want to watch. Like you could tell watching the film. He's an entertainer. This too. is going to be fun. It's like, this is going to be a fun house mirrors um, movie just of just gore and, and especially later on comedy. But talk about a guy who's like risen to in the heights of Hollywood. I mean, directed the most, the biggest, one biggest hits ever of all time, biggest weekend of all time, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. And possibly the greatest comic book movie ever made. Hands down my favorite. Part two is the best comic book film ever made. I think you have Michael Chabon working your script. You're doing all right. And, and, and Raimi, his comic book action has never been touched. Like the fight between he and Doc Ock on the subway has never been touched by any MCU movie. I hands down. Right. And he's a guy that no matter to your point earlier about watching him grow through like the first three, these evil dead movies, you still watch him, you know, making these bigger and bigger films. As the films get bigger, he has enough imagination to fill the space. You can see some filmmakers, like, they, they go to, like, Colin Trevor. I was like, hey, you made an indie darling. We're going to give you freaking Jurassic World, and it's empty. It's a fucking echo chamber of creativity, right? With Raimi, it's like, oh, you're, like you said, I'm going to get more money. Well, I have plenty more ideas. Like, you watch Spider-Man 2, it is just the most visually, he doesn't lose that. The whole scene... My favorite scene in the movie is where Doc Ock basically comes back to life in the uh, operating room. And it's an evil, oh my God. It's an evil yeah. night scene with the chains on everything. With all the flying cameras. It's crazy. The evil creature arms, those split screens of the doctor's faces as they scream yeah. in the POV shots. Like, yeah, it's a straight up, it's a Raimi horror sequence in the middle of this multi-million dollar <laughs> Spider-Man movie. It's fucking great, dude. Well, and... To your point about creativity, this is a guy who wanted to make a movie about the shadow. And when he couldn't make it, he just invented his own superhero movie and made Darkman. Are I you, love this movie. Darkman is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I, if you put it on at any moment, I'll fucking watch it. And much like the subway chase sequence with Spider-Man and Doc Ock, dude, the helicopter oh. freeway chase in dark man is like one of those action set pieces where you actually think somebody's going to die because it looks legitimately dangerous. The, the stunt work is fucking crazy. And then it ends with the biggest explosions like possible. Like dark man is just, Oh, like creme de la creme genre filmmaking. And there's a guy also working. You want to bring it back to like the Coens and everything. Francis McDormand, is in it. Oh yeah. Yep. And then you have Liam Neeson, Larry Drake as your bad guy. He's so good. Oh my God. Ted Raimi showing up and just being goofy and getting his head run over out of a subway. grate. Like dude, I, if we weren't doing evil dead, like dark man would be on my list of, of like secret handshake movies because again, like 
if anybody ever quoted Dark Man or like, you know, said that they were just a fan of that movie, I'd instantly know that I'm among like my own. It's it's so specific, yeah. Because like my brother and I, we watched that movie all the fucking time growing up. We loved Dark Man, and because it was also a comic book movie, a comic booky movie, when there weren't any. You know, it was right after Batman, exactly, but there was yeah. it was this. You know, there were not a lot of films you could you could choose from. And I just saw the, the movie Renfield, which is completely dark, man. Like, it is very beholden, I think, to Raimi. The the gore is very fun and, like, over the top. It's not mean-spirited. Also has that kind of generic big city, like, central city, you know, with evil villains. And it's that kind of broad kind of humor. Um, it's not Raimi, but it still is going for that similar thing. I think a movie like The Mask is totally a Raimi-type movie. You know, like, I, you can see these guys kind of doing their version of if if Raimi were making a film because Chuck Chuck Russell kind of was always different with his tone, you well, know. Well, he worked in horror too because he made The Blob. Yeah, he, he and, wrote and Dream Nightmare Dream Warriors. Elms. Yeah, exactly. He directed Nightmare three. Yeah. Threes. Mm-hmm. you know, like Chuck Russell is of that class of of like just working splatterpunk filmmakers. But Darkman, the other thing about Darkman too is that it's a tragedy. Like one of the coolest things about it is that it reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time, Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Is that it draws from all of this old horror iconography, uh, well, specifically Phantom. like Phantom <laughs> of the Opera, yeah. to where Liam Neeson's just wrapped in gauze and like lurking about in his industrial lair. And then, you know, it's this like heartfelt, tragic love story about a guy, a monster in love with like this woman that he can never be with. And that's what like for all of its thrills and, and gore and zaniness and the crazy stunts. Like the thing that kills me about dark man is that I get choked up by the end of it. When Peyton has to say goodbye to the love of his life and just vanishes into a crowd as, as Bruce Campbell, as Bruce puts on (laughs) Bruce Campbell's face. And dude, I get like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about the last, like, two minutes of that movie, but like it floors me every time. And it leaves you going off in a note where you're like, why aren't there 20 dark man movies? And the, the DTV sequels are I all like pretty good. Both. Yeah. I like two and three a lot. Yeah. And Larry Drake comes back and is even hammier. And it's Arnold Vosloo oh, too. Dude, he's so good, man. I really like the sequels a lot. I had this friend in, in elementary school, Adam Owen, um, and the nicest kid. He was a huge Batman fan. So we were friends and we were in band together. But I remember him. He was obs- wait. You were in band. Yeah, I played bassoon. What the fuck? This has been a lost fact about you for the entirety of our friendship thus far. I didn't know you it's were a the, band. It's kid. not something I felt. <laughs> I'm not proud of. You, so you Think, were a drama kid and a band kid and a choir kid. Oh my god! And I was in student council, and I was prom. I was prom prince. I was on the prom court. And then I was... Um, we didn't have princes, thank you. No, I was prom court, and then I was homecoming king. Um, homecoming prince for sophomore junior year. But I didn't make king. I never got to be king. So. I'm so in awe of you right now. <laughs> How do you... Like, where did you find the time? I don't know. I was I was over-involved. I also was had an undiagnosed anxiety disorder that I was probably needing to just move, move, move all the time. I so, have to distract myself uh, from how fucking fucked up my brain is. Like, it's so dark inside. No. <laughs> but, you know, speaking Let of... Let me out of the closet. <laughs> I, um... 
with Raimi, I also like his films where he kind of did his more dramatic, less like I really like The Gift, and I love Simple Plan. Simple Plan is great. It is is a perfect, great book too. Um, great, perfectly paced Cohen-y thriller. It's like a Cohen movie, right? I mean, it's like Fargo. It feels very oh, similar. You know, the, obviously similar actors too. Well, and it came out in that know? time period when those were really popular, with yep. stuff like Fargo or even something small town like, crime. Yeah. Small town crime. I was gonna say with. To connect it to Bill Paxton, Carl Franklin's One False Move. Criterion, dude. I know. I want I that wait. shit so bad. That that, is that 4K? So it's 4K, good. right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's Blu-ray. But I don't pay attention because I don't have a 4K player. I have to bring all those discs over your house. Like that new Bedecker set? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, poppy. But yeah, his dramatic stuff that he kind of shifts into for... And it's not even really an extended period. He just kind of fires off a few of them because that the gift is like he had a collaboration with Billy Bob Thornton because Billy Bob Thornton is fucking incredible in Simple Plan. Yeah, man, he's insane. You want to talk about a tragic character through and through the ending with him and Bill, him and Bill Paxton like moves me to tears every time because it's just just so fucking heartbreaking. And then the gift is about Billy Bob Thornton's mom. Like, that's the movie. Oh, is that what it's about? Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton wrote it. I didn't know. I forgot that. Holy shit. Yeah, he based it on his mother, who was an actual, like, Southern psychic. It was in that Southern world of, like, Sling Blade. Like, yeah. that kind of world that he It's r- why it has in. that, like, kind of grungy, sweaty, Southern Gothic thing. And, dude, you want to talk about, like... Good this Keanu is, role. I was going to say a Keanu in the wilderness role where he's that like drunk wife beating like monster in that movie. Also a great Katie Holmes performance. And great Greg Kinnear is the bad guy. He's yeah. fucking great in that. Yeah. The gift is undervalued. I feel like that's a movie. Not many people talk about that much. I don't rewatch that tonight. I, I haven't watched that probably in 20 fucking years, but I would just, it's dark. It's just good though. I, and I love a good, like Spanish Moss Southern Gothic. Oh, and that's what it is. It's full on. And Kate Blanchett's fantastic in that movie. She's so good in that. Um, but no, he's, I mean, even up to a piece of shit, it's not his fault. Oz the Great and Powerful. I like that movie. I, I do not. I really don't like James Franco in it. I don't like the kind of modern humor. Um, I can but, see that. But the action scenes are still pure Raimi. The flying monkey attack yep. feels straight out of like Raimi's Deadite playbook. Yep. The only one I don't like from is this the new... Um, Doctor Strange because he came in super late to the project from what I've heard and it's basically he painted on Raimi elements to an already basically pre-planned pre pre-vised f- movie and it's not good you know so you know I mean like, it's Marvel of course it's, it's Marvel yeah so there's like a few moments where people are like oh my god it's Raimi and they they were smart picking him it's like oh it's gonna be for the Spider-Man fans and for the horror geeks like me and and they got me in the theater and it's not good you know I didn't even bother. I still haven't watched a Marvel anything since Black Widow. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I feel cool. fine. I think you're fine. Yeah. I think I'm pretty much done too. Um, but no, I mean like back to Drag, to Drag Me to Hell too. I and mean, that was a film where he had done, he'd been in Spider-Man land for basically fucking like six, seven years or eight years. It's a total one for me toss off. But one for us too, right? I mean, one for the horror fans. And like you, we were texting about it. It's just like, Hey kids, daddy's home. I'm going to show you how it's done. And it's perfect. I mean, it's like, hey, all you imitators, try this. You can't do it. It's him. You can see the joy behind the movie, right? You can. That's what I like about him, too, is you can see the joy he has in creating what well, we're seeing, right? And the impish cruelty. 
Yeah. Like, he gets back to that very black, sadistic streak that he owned in the Evil Dead films. Because, I mean, like, the cat murder in it, the whole fact that, like, you know, the main character is kind of a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, she sucks. The movie is an EC Comics, like, morality riff through and through to where it's about this person trying to advance to, like, these meaningless you know, add to, to essentially achieve like these meaningless, like accolades in life. Like I want to be, I think one of the great jokes in the movie that kind of goes uncommented upon is her main goal is to be an assistant manager at a bank. Like that's, what's coveted to where she and this other like shit heel basically get into this like backstabbing contest with one another. But like the prize is kind of embarrassing the whole time. And there's all that weird stuff like kind of needled in about her being a fat girl farm girl from the farm and like turning her back on her family to go to the big city, you know, and like lose a bunch of weight and find the guy of her dreams, which undervalued uh, Justin Long performance who this might be his best he's, one of he's his the most best charming performances. like yeah he's so good as the only good character in the whole movie he's very likable exactly um, and he has to be yeah well and I was watching it I watched it again this week too to get ready and I hadn't seen it in years and it's it's again delightful movie to watch it kind of like it reminds me of like the propulsive nature of like the frighteners again like Peter Jackson doing a very Raimi yeah 100 percent you know which we both you know, loved seeing it, um, at the exhumed, you know, and what I like about drag me to hell too, though, is like you, it's the storytelling is so clear. Like to your point, like all she wants to do is be the, the, you know, assistant manager of this, this bank thing, but it's, he has a very classic way of like making everything so visual. Like it's not talked about. It's just like you, you can almost watch it on silent and get, and get everything. It's such a, almost just like a very visually, um, told story, but it's like also connected, you said, to she's a social climber, right? She's like, I want to leave behind my she's trying to get rid of her accent in the car. It's a great scene. To, it, it tells so much. Yeah, in the opening scene. Yeah. And it's like he wrote it with his brother, you know, Ivan. And like they they wrote they wrote um, Spider-Man three without the help of the other. And that's why it's a little bit messy, I think. But like this one, it's perfect for their kind of their their talents. And I think to your point, too, like. I never thought of the EC comic thing, but it's great because it's, those are such simple morality tales where it's like this girl, all she wants is to climb up and she steps on basically will step on anybody to climb. And that person comes back and gets her and you can't run from your fate too. like, you've already made your mistake. The woman's dead. You know, like there's nothing you can do. I love the like perverse, like the ending is fucking brutal. Oh my I God. The theater, the I'm on- like, Justin Long's face at the very end, like when he's watching what's happening is like, again, kind of like dark man, like the tone just sharply zags really quick. And you're like, Oh my God, like this movie's horrifying. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking good. Yeah. And I, we, we didn't really talk about his other film for love of the game too much on our previous episode about baseball. It's because it sucks. It's not good. Yeah. Um, the worst Kevin Costner baseball movie, which somehow came from Sam Raimi. I know, but it's weird for love. The, the job game, for hire for yeah, sure. One, that's exactly where I was going is that it feels almost pedestrian. Yeah. It doesn't have any of his flourishes. The only good thing about that movie, John C. Riley as the catcher. Well, he's great in everything. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he at least knew, you know, who his crash was going to be. <laughs> what do you think about Fide Alvarez's Evil Dead remake? I really love it. I think it's fucking great. Um, 
I I love that it kind of does its own thing, and it's a remake of the first one. You know, it's it's the darker um, the darker one. I think it has some of the best brutal violence I've seen in years. I mean, like there's just stuff you can't get out of your head of her sawing through her cheek. I think the scene of her just going crazy with a nail gun or particularly stabbing the kid in the face with the needle and then him pulling it out oh, from underneath his eye. There's just stuff you can't... The electric just, carving knife. Yeah, the carving knife. You know, it's just... It's a really brutal... It kind of had the similar vibe to like the Friday 13th remake from 09 where it was like, we got a budget, we're doing it with kind of more modern sensibility. It's mean. It's just... It's ugly. Um, it's, it's more so modern. Ugly. It's kind of punk too. Like the people are more like, like especially her is this kind of like kind of punk type character, heroin um, addicts. Because that's the thing is yeah. it, the whole like storytelling device of like we're gonna take our you know friend out into the woods and essentially force her to be to go cold turkey. to go cold turkey whether she like lives or dies like this is her last chance like it's mean in the way that alvarez's like don't breathe is mean too yeah to where like he's interested in these characters who are very morally gray and even like compromised to a certain degree yeah and he does amp up for Worse, I mean, I was gonna say for better or worse, but it's definitely for worse. The sexual violence that he's into that's yeah. in Don't Breathe. It took me a long time. I still don't like that part. Oh, uh, well, because he literalizes the deadite entry to where it actually goes into her vagina. That's how, yeah, to where the tree rape in the original Evil Dead is just a gross set piece and doesn't really set off, doesn't really have any narrative purpose outside of just one of Raimi's spook a blast you know, the earliest Spookablast set piece, really. And even Raimi himself has come out years later and been like, ah, I think I went too far with the tree mm-hmm. rape thing. It's pretty gross and uncomfortable. But, like, Fide Alvarez, like, leans into it and actually finds a narrative purpose yeah, for it. Yeah, because it be gives there. her, that's how she's possessed, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's icky. Yeah, it's, you know, but I think besides that, I think a lot of the, I just, it's so interesting they didn't come out that too long after um, around the same time as Cabin in the Woods. Right. It's so weird. I know Cabin in the Woods was made a lot earlier and they waited till like Chris Hemsworth with star to like release it, but they were pretty close in terms of release. And I much prefer evil dead the remake to Cabin in the Woods. No, I do. See, it took me a while to come around on the evil dead remake. This is the most I've enjoyed it because mm. I remember seeing it at an early screening in Philly and not really knowing what to do with it. I think the mean spiritedness of it put me off a little bit as much as I even liked the gore. Yeah. But this time I appreciated it for basically being different for taking a, a, a much darker path than even the original evil dead, because like even the original evil dead's pretty funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and it has the feel of like, we're just a bunch of buddies going up into the woods to make a movie together and we're having a good time. Yeah. But like evil dead Fede Alvarez is, is like, I'm going to hurt you and this is going to be gross. And it tries to do some stylistic like ticks, like a couple of the quick edits, especially when he buries uh, Jane Levy towards the end. Like yeah. that's the one the sequence that feels the most like he's trying to pay homage to Sam Raimi and she comes alive while like he's throwing dirt on her face and taunts him. But like 
it's hard to deny the raining blood sequence at the end. Like it's Oh my god, it's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's so fucking gross, dude. Well, and and I think that's a reason why I like it so much too, is it for being an Evil Dead remake, it doesn't feel so beholden to Raimi. You know, it does have this kind of it's like you said, it's mean and and disturbing, but it definitely has its own voice, you know, compared to other films that aren't even Evil Dead remakes that feel like Raimi ripoffs. You know, right. like, this is less of a Raimi ripoff and it's a fucking remake, you know? Compare what I mean, is it is it cool to move on to the, the, the newest one? Of course. Talking about Evil Dead Rise, the fifth film in the Evil Dead franchise. Martin, you saw this at South by Southwest early. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, it's made for a festival crowd. So that was, I think, it's hard to kind of separate the experience of seeing it um, at South by at first. Um, it's probably my least favorite of the five. Um, I think that tonally it's somewhere in between Raimi and, and uh, Alvarez. So it is this kind of spiritual sequel to and from what i understand it's kind of its own world like they're kind of starting it over again because there's no reason for the book to be you know in that bank vault it's just kind of this like it feels like a script that was doctored to be an evil dead movie because there's stuff about it that doesn't make any sense to me like why that book would be in a bank vault yeah like it's it's very like you can feel them inserting like the Necronomicon into it, which is a cool design. It's a new design on the I lo- Necronomicon. I love that. With the, the, the monster teeth. teeth and everything and like him bleeding on it and like opening it up and everything. Like that's pretty fucking cool. But yeah, this this didn't feel like an Evil Dead movie to me. This felt like a James Wan movie to me. That's For a, better or worse. That's a good point. Yeah. And it the whole mommy thing, again, it takes away from the Deadites because it's a, more about oh, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, your mom, you're stuck in an apartment with your mom who's possessed? Like, that could be a different series altogether, to your point. And I think a big issue I had with the film is not even, the you know, the film itself, it was the advertising. You talk a lot about the memification of horror and th- what they did with the um, the cheese the cheese grater. And so, like, in the original trailer, you see the cheese grater for a second, and everyone online went fucking crazy, Right. So I go to South by and I'm sitting there and they literally give me a little magnet cheese grater. I get a fucking poster with a cheese grater on it. They're they going, sent them out to people they're going, as like press kits. They went hard on it, right? And then it gets to it and it's literally like two seconds and it's not even, it's by probably by far the least affecting gore gag in any of the Evil Dead movies. I'm like, it was such a weird decision. So again, that's, that's more like extra textual to the movie, but like that also kind of colored my perception while I was watching it. I'm like, oh, that's it? You know? Um, I know some people too are like, oh my God, like they had the balls to kill people you don't usually kill. I'm like, oh. There is an alarming amount of child death in this Seriously. Movie. Like that one kid who gets both of his arms ripped off and just tossed around like a, a rag doll, like out of nowhere. Like that was the one thing that did 
like catch me off guard like slightly with it is that I was not like prepared for the level of cruelty that's in it. That is impressive in the same way that Alvarez's movie is impressively like violent and gnarly. Um, I kind of felt the same way as you did is that I walked out of the theater and was more or less like, that's it. Okay, cool. Like pretty good. It has all the signifiers of an evil dead, whether or not they're kind of haplessly inserted or not let's say like, or haphazardly inserted or not. Um, you know, it has the POV shots. It has, you know, a bunch of possessed people screaming dead by dawn at each other. And like, it has the excessive gore. Um, it feels more rainy ish than the Alvarez one. This felt more beholden, you know, right. to that. Yeah. And, but because it feels reverse engineered too, it now gives the series, the feel of almost being like an anthology yep. series yep. to where like you have the original evil dead, then evil dead two is kind of like the first remake. And then you have a medieval movie, which I mean, the original ti- title of army of darkness was medieval dead, which is so fucking cool. And then you have the remake, which kind of, it does redo the original evil dead, but puts its own kind of modern horror spin on it. And then this feels almost like, okay, Sort of like the difference between like demons and demons too, to where like demons is like, what if a bunch of evil demons like invaded a movie theater and then everybody kills each other. And then demons too is just like, what if a bunch of demons invaded an apartment high rise and you're stuck in there with them? Like this kind of has the same thing is that it's almost like, what if these people, you know, who live in this high rise find the Necronomicon through like a very, contrived like earthquake yeah um that happens um and what if they resurrect the book of the dead and it starts taking people out like it's just as like it feels like fan fiction to a certain degree also it feels like one of the things i texted you when i was watching all of these is that i did have the thought is this the series that we've now done an episode on that is while it's a classic horror franchise, is it the one that has kind of the least on its mind? Like it's just no, like the evil dead movies, they're just guys having fun. Like the first one again is like friends going out into the woods and making a lo-fi horror movie as a lark. And then it ends up becoming a cult sensation. Evil dead two is Sam Raimi being gifted all this money to essentially do a remake of his first movie and him, you know, going completely ape shit on the playground. And then army of darkness is again, you know, he makes a decent size hit with dark man and then Army of Darkness is his one for me with him and Bruce Campbell returning. And he's just being like, what if I make my big Ray Harryhausen adventure movie? And now you have the remake, which grounds it in like realistic quote unquote horror. And this feels like the Evil Dead franchise, like Evil Dead Rises, the Evil Dead franchise kind of crashing into what we now know as elevated horror. But this is the first one that has like it tries to do anything resembling subtext because there's no subtext to army of darkness. It's just, wouldn't it be fun to watch Bruce Campbell with a chainsaw hand fight a legion of skeletons and like engage in like three stooges style humor with, you know, his evil double. And then, you know, evil dead two is just all of that, that 
humor and gags and like one man show type thing. Like there's not like there's nothing to really think about outside of the the collision of humor and horror and like the technical aptitude that's on display on Sam Raimi's part. Where like Evil Dead Rise is another one of these movies that's kind of like what if we put a real serious face and added some drama to it? What if it was about a divorced single mother and her three children and how she's struggling with her and her sister, her, her sister, sister who is who secretly doesn't pregnant, be, doesn't want to be pregnant, has an unwanted baby in her. And what if we made this a movie about motherhood in the face of evil? And it's like, I don't fucking care. Like just make an evil dead movie. Just have a dude shove a chainsaw into another dude's head and just have a massive amount of caro syrup kind of spray out of it, which to Lee Cronin's credit, he does do too. It's just that I feel like he tries to make this into too much of like a modern, let's talk about our feelings movie. Yeah. I, I kept thinking while watching the the films and then thinking about evil dead rise that I agree with your point that there's so little on the mind of the original trilogy, right? And to me, the Evil Dead series is just synonymous with Bruce and and Sam. Like, and without them, it will always be just less than. And also, it doesn't have a very dense mythology. It actually has a very inconsistent mythology, purposely so. Kind of incoherent. Yeah, and that's the point, right? And it's like, hey, they're just floating demons. That's it. And we're calling them deadites. And, you know, I think I mentioned off, off mic, my friend was helped help write the Bible for evil, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead, the series. Like, he was in charge of, like, keeping the mythology consistent. But, like, Which I've sadly never watched. It's, it's really fun. I watched the first season, um, and it's, it's, you know, Bruce, of course, is just is delightful in it. But I kept thinking, is like, you know what? This is one of those series that without Sam and Bruce, it just, it, it isn't anything, you know, compared, like, versus, like, when I see a new Friday 13th, there's never been a consistent voice. So I'm always like, oh, I want more Jason. Or, you know, we only got one Halloween from John Carpenter, so I don't care about a, a new one. Cool. You know, like, give me more in that world if you want. Hellraisers, you know, pretty much after Clyde Barker, I'm usually, like, not as interested, you know. But, like, so so few of these these series are based on the creator and our kind of loyalty to them. And it kind of reminds me weirdly of, like, this is a, a big stretch, but um, how I felt about, like, the new... Uh, Rings of Power series, the Lord of the Rings series, where it's like, without Tolkien's voice and him telling the story, I don't want to hear it. I don't give a shit about Middle Earth if it's not him telling the story. Or Jackson, too. Like, yeah, Jackson's Jackson, such yeah. a distinct voice behind the camera that yeah. even if there are some narrative lulls or whatever, they're they're livened up because he has such a manic energy about yeah. him and, and creativity, such a totally yeah. like unique voice, you know, like he's, you've pointed out before, like he's basically the New Zealand Sam Raimi, like, and he even admits it too, like dead alive is his evil dead movie. Yeah. There were legal issues with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who tried to sue him, but somebody did. Yeah. And it's like bad taste is also very much like him doing an evil dead style. I'm just going out in the streets with my buddies and making a splatter film with no money, but it's evil dead rise. Like I was shocked by how what in one year and out the other it was for me. It doesn't stick to the bones. I watched it today and this is kind of the pitfall of doing a new release episode especially before we even see it. Like sometimes or a lot of the time, frankly, like 
one of us will see a movie early and be like, oh, we should do an episode on that. And you did see this movie early and you weren't overly thrilled, but I was just going to charge right ahead. And then I watched it today and I got halfway through and I definitely had the thought of like, ah, Martin was right. This is just not a whole lot here. Yeah, it's well, and it has the exact same plot as Aliens. It's like used the, the motherhood thing. Yeah, the it's motherhood like, thing. It's exactly. just full on. It's her. She's Ripley, and it's like I don't want a kid, or like I lost my kid. It's her learning to be a mother. It's the exact, and it's almost the same like structure of the entire script too. Which is like, okay, if you're gonna steal from something, steal from Aliens. Like that's great, but it's just there's just too much going. Strangely, too much going on. Like you said, subtextually, I think narratively too. You know, I just like the random wildness that I think even Fede captured more while it's meaner, I think still had that random mean wildness that you can get from an evil dead movie, you know? Well, and the thing about the evil dead movies that we haven't even really talked about is that the best ones are an assault on your senses. Yeah. yeah. Like, and they're relentless. That's why that's the thing that Alvarez captured the most is that once the, the violence like begins, there's no, it doesn't end until there's like the, the credits roll yeah. to where evil dead rise again is, is like committing too much to its own sort of flimsy sense of dramas and it breaks up the gore and the violence. And also I think he's doing the violent, like Lee Cronin's doing the violence a little too cleverly, which is a weird thing to say. Like the whole like peephole sequence of where she watches a bunch of people get murdered in the hallway. Cool idea. But I don't come to the Evil Dead movies to watch like, you know, the the violence be not uh, off yeah. camera, but like it's kind of lessened by like your 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 clever trickery. Yeah. Like I want Fide Alvarez being like, how much caro syrup can we pump out of this one prop and like just wash over like. Again, the raining blood sequence, like when that happened again, that was the part where I went, wait, why did I ever give this movie a hard time? It is like fucking awesome and so committed to its own like nasty, mean spirited bit. Well, yeah, too. And off of that, like he Fede, like Sam, like um, these scenes like rise to a fever pitch. Like there's a sense of building, right? Of like, oh, oh. Oh, and and I thought like Lee Cronin's more was like, oh, she's chewing glass in the corner. It's pretty gross. It's gross. That was one of the ones that got me though when she swallows the glass and part of it pokes through her throat. Like that that made me gag like a little bit. Um, the cheese grater is a good bit, but yet it should have committed to it way harder. Like if that was Fide Alvarez, we'd watch like somebody basically get their entire arm sheared off. Yeah, with down a to the grater. bone. Yeah, yeah. Like, really. <laughs> you know, you say that. But like, you know, with Alvarez's movies, there's, there is that kind of impish edgelord glee that he's like kind of applying to it to where he's, he's almost daring you to look away where Lee Cronin's almost a little too classy. I mean, there's still great stuff in this. The opening sequence, fucking awesome. Like the title reveal is really, really cool. Um, some of the performances are great in it. Yeah. Some of the gore, really good. That weird ending, like society esque, like oh, that was cool fusion of like human flesh and all these like deadites into one like crawling monster. That was fucking cool. There's moments in it that I really admired, but overall, I was just kind of like, oh, this is pretty good. I don't think I'll ever think about it again. 
Well, and, and I was, I think it was like you said earlier, it's one of those films I kind of wish it hadn't been an Evil Dead movie because, like, I love an apartment building horror film. Like, Back to Rosemary's Baby, or like, I even like Poltergeist 3. You know, I like when sequels will say, hey, we'll put it in an apartment. It has a different feel, you know, of it's not out in the woods. It's more like, oh, imagine being trapped with so much civilization around you, but you still can't go anywhere. I love the way that they, they get rid of like the, they can't use the uh, elevator, the, you know, the stairs become the bridge from the, you know, one and two, they're all twisted. I'm like, that's really cool. I, I like that. I like the kind of Gothic design. Like I like the whole look of the movie. I love that. Like they also shot in New Zealand. Like I think they shoot all of these there, but like, I love that like super green, like dark, like um, super, like, I don't know, just super high contrast stuff. Um, so overall, I mean, I, I like the look of it, and I didn't have a bad time. But like you said, it just really kind of went in my eyes and out my ass, you know. Oh, and Chekhov's wood chipper. Oh yeah, is a nice little setup. <laughs> so weird to have that in a fucking in a fucking garage. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that guy, but it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing to where like even when she walks, because it makes a point of the one little girl like looking up at him being what's going on and it has like a chainsaw on the side so i thought it was just like a cheeky little reference that it was doing but like when it actually brings it back and like shoves human flesh into a wood chipper i was like okay cool yeah i give you this one hell yeah but yeah overall like three stars who cares yeah again didn't have a bad time you know and there has still there is not a bad evil dead movie no. You know what I mean? There's not that it's one. Entertaining. Where, there's not and that one where you're like, oh, that sucked. You and know? it's not long. It's yeah. like 95 minutes. Perfect. You're in, you're out. There's some good gore, nice like makeup work, and like some zany kind of violence. Sure. But Martin, this was great. Indeed, sir. We only have, well, I don't think we only have one more horror franchise to cover, but, you know, we're getting towards the end of like big name series that we haven't covered on the show. Well, we can always just redo do an entire episode about um, the French ex- new extremity again, you know, just oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I can be depressed have, for have a, a real good time. But what are we doing next time? I'm not sure. Me neither. Yeah. So you'll have to tune in next time to find out here on secret handshake. Stay tuned. See you then.